Well, hey, fans of biblical genetics, this is Dr. C. You might be able to hear from the background noises as I'm recording that I'm not in a uh, in a remote natural place like where I like to film. I'm actually sitting on my front porch. There's a highway not too far away. There's a hospital not too far away. There's airplanes flying over and dogs barking. And there's just a lot of interesting uh, background material for your audio and listening pleasure, which I hope you can just ignore if you don't like it. But it's my best I got at the moment. I don't have a studio to record in. I should probably set one up in my house, but I just like being outside. And so I'm filming outside and recording outside. And there's lots of travails and travesties associated with that. But here I am, loving life, really enjoying the time I'm having. Now, in way of introduction, today's episode is my second in a series on races and racism. It's not very long. I'm just going to ask the question, what is a race? And I'm going to bring up some examples of things that make no sense from racial categories. I'm going to mention people that look the same and come from very different parts of the family tree. I'm going to mention people that look very different and yet come from very similar parts of the family tree. You cannot look at somebody and know what so-called race they are genetically. In fact, modern genetics has destroyed any notion that there is such a thing as race. And yet I do know that there are a lot of racial tensions in our societies today. That saddens me greatly. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. And these tensions are often justified because people are bigoted and biased and, you know, the dominant group generally likes to keep the less dominant group suppressed. That's just human nature. That's the way we behave. It is wrong. We need to address these things. And one way we can address them is actually taking a real look at what races are. Because if we can show people that we are all the same genetically, we're all the same intellectually, we're all the same in the eyes of Jesus Christ, then that will affect our approach and how we treat other people. Before we start, I need to thank a couple of people. I've had a couple of anonymous coffee donors. I really appreciate that. Susanna Kay, you are awesome. Sarah Herman, love you much. Thank you for your support. This is uh, encouraging to me. It's exciting to me to get the comments and the questions and um, just a few coffees now and then. It's kind of cool watching this grow. In fact, I'm watching my downloads of my audio podcast grow. And that's just really neat because I'm starting off from the ground here with nothing. And yet I've gotten a couple hundred so far downloads per week and it's just growing. So thank you all very much. If this is your first biblical genetics episode, feel free to go back and listen to other ones or go to the website, biblicalgenetics.com. If you want to look up more about me, Dr. Robert Carter, you can find my bio on creation.com. Just type in Carter in the search box and it'll come right up. I'm here for you, here to answer your genetics questions and hopefully here to encourage you that the Bible is true. Now, if you don't think the Bible is true, please don't turn me off quite yet because I have a lot more to say. Well, that's all as far as introduction goes. Let's just get into this. What is a race? On today's episode of Biblical Genetics, I want to discuss the question, what is a race? This is a very important subject for us today. It's a hugely important subject for America at the moment because of all the issues that we're having, but also worldwide and throughout history. This is a question that has boggled people's minds, confused a lot of things, and caused a lot of strife and contention. But we can answer this, and we can answer it quite clearly, and when we do, we're going to see that the whole issue just evaporates. Back in the day, 
100 years ago, 50 years ago, even 20, 30 years ago, you might have heard the phrase Caucasoid, Mongoloid, or Negroid. Those are old, outdated terms that we do not use anymore. They don't describe anything. A lot of people still have those phrases in their head, but these are things that we need to let go of because they're not true. Yes, if you look at the extremes of human diversity, you can find people that look very different from one another. So if you go to Northwest Europe, Eastern Asia, and Southern Africa, you're going to find people that look in three different ways. They're going to look different. But what about all the people that live in between? That's one of the things that modern geneticists have discovered after the anthropologists for a long time struggled with this, is that, yeah, you can find an extreme of both ends of a spectrum, but in between you find the spectrum. You find people at all different levels of dissimilarity across the landscape. So morphologically and genetically, you can't divide people up into groups like that. It simply doesn't work. We are a continuum. Also, something I shared in my last episode is that when you look at the genetic data, you can't find any data, zero, that can completely separate one people group from another. Yeah, there are some genes that are found only in certain places, but none of those genes are found in 100% of those places to the exclusion of everybody else. So there might be some, you know, genes for light skin color in Europeans or dark skin color in Africans. Okay, those things are there, but not 100% of Europeans carry exactly the genes that I carry. In fact, those genes in Africa are also found in Europe and the genes in Europe are also found in Africa, just at different frequencies. So the geneticists have struggled to find things in our genes that we can use to separate people based on racial categories. In fact, you can't do it. Even more surprising, Ancestry.com and the other Ancestry testing services have shown us quite clearly that there are a lot of people walking around who didn't realize what race they were. Or, shall we say, they have a certain portion of a genome from someone from a different racial category than they thought. We're talking about people who think that they're European, but they have pieces of African inside them, and vice versa. Several episodes ago, I talked about a man named Hans Jonathan, who was a slave in the Caribbean, who got taken to Denmark and then fled Denmark and went to Greenland. And he today has hundreds of descendants. Hundreds of people of Icelandic descent are actually part African, and you would never know it from looking at them. And that's one of the huge things that all the ancestry testing companies are telling us. You can't look at a person and know what race they are. I am of Northern European descent. My ancestors came from England, a lot of them from Ireland, from Norway, from Northern Netherlands, a place called Frisia, from Hamburg, Germany, so obviously I have Northern European roots, but why is it that you can look at me and say, oh, I know where this person came from. And how can I look at you and be able to place you on a map for some of you? Some of you have mixed backgrounds and some of you are from areas in between the extremes and you can't actually just know for certain where this person comes from. But for a lot of people in the world, you can do pretty good at guessing where their ancestors came from. Why is that? Why do some people look different? Well, the answer is that we've been isolated from one another for a very long time. After the Tower of Babel, when we spread out across on the earth, we became separated. And the failure to exchange genes meant that each little subpopulation could change in a different path. 
now that we have all the modern technology and modern transportation and people are meeting with each other from different places in the world, there's an awful lot of mixing happening in today's world that was impossible thousands of years ago. So the races, races, I hate that word, develop naturally purely from isolation. I also mentioned in the last episode an article that I wrote called Inbreeding and the Origin of Races, where I traced the family tree of the 12 tribes of Israel and showed how much inbreeding was in that family over three or four generations. It's actually kind of shocking, but it's also true for most people across the world. Most people have married someone pretty closely related to them throughout history. Therefore, because of that inbreeding within populations, populations look different over time from other populations. But there's still an open question. How different are people? How different are we? When we go from place to place across the world, what percent difference is there from, you know, a Native American versus an Australian Aboriginal versus someone from Iceland? How much genetic diversity is there? Well, we can now answer that question. We couldn't have done it 20 or 30 years ago, but today we can absolutely answer it. And the answer is not much. In fact, not much at all. When we look at all the things that are shared across the world, most genetic variants are found in all populations. That means we have a common gene pool. That means we have a common racial background. That means we all came from the same stock. Now, if we were to look at something like a, uh, a phylogenetic tree, I've done many of them. In fact, one of them I made from the Simons Genome Diversity Project. It took me a long time to download all the Y chromosomes, to line them up, and to, to run them through this evolutionary, if you put me, let me put that in scare quotes, this evolutionary um, tree building program. And I drew a tree of all the men in the world and their relationship to one another. And this tree is shocking. If we were to look at that tree and just pick one place in the world, let's say the island of New Guinea, you know, that giant island in the South Pacific, that island with, which has a lot of different people with a lot of different languages. And we look at where those people come from. Well, it turns out that the men on that island come from two very different places in the family tree. That was surprising because they look the same. So you can't look at a person and know from which part of the human family tree they came from based on Y chromosomes because you can look very similar and yet be very different on the inside. But the opposite is also true. We can look at the family tree and see people who look very, very different and yet are very closely related. My Y chromosome is an example of that. I come from group R1B. I share a Y chromosome with about 80% of Western Europeans and a large fraction of Irish men. My great-great-great-grandfather left Ireland during the Irish potato famine. They spent a little time in England and he came to America in the 1850s and that's where I come from. I Irish lineage, the Carters, all the way back. But that Y chromosome family, R1B, is also shared with a group of people from Central Africa. In fact, men in Cameroon, the darkest skinned men in the world, can be very closely related to me on the Y chromosome line. In fact, in ancient times, my Y chromosome wasn't even in Europe. R1B is actually a pretty, pretty much a newcomer in, on the European landscape. Ancient lineages in Europe might belong to group I or something like that. Well, those I groups are still there. In fact, 
I could be more closely related to a man from Central Africa than my Irish great-great-great-grandfather's next-door neighbor, who might have been from a different branch of the family tree. So I get to ask the question, what is a race? What do we base this on? What do we look at and say, this is one race and this is another? Because we can't do it genetically, can't do it linguistically, can't do it geographically. Everything falls apart when you examine real data. And these difficulties in figuring out what a race is also apply to ancient history. In fact, it's quite surprising when we look at ancient history to see what people used to be like. We've gotten to the point with ancient DNA technology that we can not only pull DNA out of old samples, but we can tell how closely related they are to other people. And they're now to the point where not only do we know that Europe used to be dominated by people we call hunter-gatherers. That doesn't mean stupid. It just means there wasn't any large-scale agriculture. But when the farmers started moving in later on in European history, they took two different routes. One of them came from Turkey up through you know, Romania area, and they followed the Danube up in through Hungary and then into Germany and France. Another group took the coastal route and came up from the west and also came into France. When those two people met, we can now actually look at the, the graves and say, oh, this person belongs over here and this person belongs over here. In the meantime, the hunter-gatherers are still living there. And there's more differences between those hunter-gatherer peoples and the farmers than currently exists between the Europeans and the Chinese and Japanese. So if the Europeans are a mixture of peoples that, if we use today's terminology, we'd call these different races, What's a race? If people today are mixtures of ancient peoples that spoke different languages and are genetically distinct from one another, what's a race today? See, the, the whole definition falls apart. Let me read you a quote from a, a geneticist named Luis Quintana Mercy. He said, the genes that explain the phenotypic differences, oh boy, phenotypic. Phenotype means the way you look. So the genes that explain the differences between the way people look, between populations only represent a tiny part of our genome, confirming once again the concept of race from a genetic standpoint has been abolished. Well, congratulations, modern man, because science has finally caught up with what the Bible has always said. There is only one race, there's only one group, there's only one stock of people, and we're all closely related. We don't have millions of years separating us. We don't have tens of thousands of years separating us. We've been separated by for a few thousand years, maybe 150 to 200 generations total in all of human history. We are literally kissing cousins and modern genetics is starting to open that up. I would like to conclude with a Bible verse. This is Ephesians chapter two, verses 13 and 14, the words of the apostle Paul, talking about Jews and Gentiles, but we can also apply this to the general races question also. He says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, that's me, the Gentile, had been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You see, in Christ, in Christianity, there are no racial divisions. Are there racial problems in the world today? Yeah. Are there cultural issues? Yeah. Is there bigotry? Yes. Is there oppression? Yeah. People are pigs. People are mean. People are evil and wicked and biased and bigoted. This is true, this is human nature. But if Jesus Christ considers all men equal, so should we.
Because my friends, I do believe there is a recipe that fixes racism, and that is Christianity. If properly applied, yes, Christians have abused this racial question before. Theologians have written some things that, frankly, I find pretty offensive today. Shocking things, things that simply weren't true and weren't biblical. But if we really dig and we really look, we find that science and the Bible are hand in hand erasing issues of race.